You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1212 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on this podcast, Lawton Hawks, and making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, where you're watching me live right now if you'd like to do that. Also, uh, I want to encourage you to check out Locked On Sports Atlanta, which, of course, this podcast is a part of, along with Locked On Falcons, Locked On Bulldogs, Locked On Braves, all those podcasts, as well as some newly launched shows on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Check that out today. And we'll dive in now to what became a nice win for the Hawks, a 118-103 to victory for Atlanta at home in their final regular season home game of the season. They're now 27-14 and in their home building this year, including 19-33 and Sorry, 19 and three in their last 22, and 11 and one in their last 12 games at Stanford Marina. They've been red hot down the stretch after a way stretch early in the season when they couldn't win at home. Now they have, uh, can't lose at home all of a sudden. But it was sort of an up and down game in a lot of ways. The Hawks, you know, of course, won comfortably by the end, but uh, they were losing at times in the middle of this contest. Um, after a 40 point first quarter, they gave a lot of it back. Trey Young had a massive kick at the end of the third quarter, 14 points in less than three minutes uh, to break it open, and then honestly never got close again from that point. And the Wizards only had 30 points in the first 20 minutes of the second half. And uh, yeah, lots lots of positives, lots of, uh, I won't say lots of, some negatives for sure, but certainly a night that the Hawks took care of business and kept up with the Nets who won in comeback fashion up in New York. So we'll touch on all of that and what transpired here, but at the end of the day, a nice friendly atmosphere for the uh, fan appreciation night in Atlanta and uh, lots of positives as the Hawks uh, sort of proceed for the final two games of the season, both of which will be on the road later on this week. As for the game itself, it was back-to-back for the Hawks, also for the Wizards with travel on both sides. The Hawks, of course, lost in Toronto on Tuesday. If you're missing from that podcast, that's still live and available. My whole my whole breakdown on Tuesday, as well as a podcast I recorded with Glenn Willis on Sunday. It was actually a fun conversation. So lots of stuff this week already on the feed if you want to catch up on anything that you possibly had missed. But the Wizards, while well, they have nothing to play for, and that's certainly noteworthy, they've been playing pretty well recently. They're 5-2 in the last seven coming in, even with no incentive to win, really, all in standings. Still, with this win, the Hawks are now 3-1 and one against the Wizards for the season, so they got the win in the season series. Um, injury-wise, the Hawks were a little bit healthier in this game, at least for their uh, more prominent players. Bogdanovich and Gallinari were both questionable, ended up playing in this spot, and Gallinari started after having a couple games off the bench recently. In fact, the Hawks only played eight guys in the rotation. That was a notable change. Uh, no TLC in this game, also no Jalen Johnson, no Kevin Knox, etc., uh, Lou Williams was out, though. That was the one notable change to the rotation was that Lou did not play. He's actually missed four of the last nine for the Hawks as we get closer to the postseason. John Collins, of course, still out doing some light running, according to Nate McMillan, but uh, nothing really progressing there. No setbacks, I guess, which is a positive, but not terribly close. It didn't seem to return to action. And then also a programming note along the way here. Sharif Cooper is back with the Hawks at this point in time. He's been in the G League for quite some time, but now College Park season actually ended on Tuesday. They actually played great down the stretch, which Sharif is a big part of that. But uh, he's now back with the big league club. No reason for him for him not to be down the stretch of the season. As for the Wizards, no Bradley Beal or Kyle Kuzma in this one, but they were pretty much healthy otherwise. The Hawks were 10-point favorites, according to our friends about online, in this game. So they ended up covering, although that was a pretty decent number, I thought. You know, the Wizards being competitive-ish down the stretch, but still... When you're favored by 10 at home in a, in a spot where you have where you care and the Wizards do not really have to care, you got to win this game. And the Hawks, of course, took care of business through that lens. We'll dive into the game now. And the Hawks actually went down right away. This one, 14 to 6 at the outset. 
Washington scored in six of their first seven possessions. The Hawks did answer from there with seven straight points, but Gallinari was really aggressive out of the gate, took eight shots in the first seven minutes for the Hawks. Uh, the Wizards, though, were really hot. They made eight of their first 10 shots. They were turning the ball over a lot, which kind of helped the Hawks in the first quarter. But the Hawks actually had a slow start. It was 6-15 from the floor. Uh, Hunter had a pretty bad turnover on a, on a fast break in which he threw the ball away. Kind of a weird one there. But then the Hawks got hot a little bit, making three threes in 39 seconds to, get, to take the lead for the first time in a while. Um, Hunter made the first one, then Bo- and Bogey made back-to-back ones after a turnover. And the Hawks did close strong in the first quarter, a 17-7 to run to go up 40-31 to after one. And through 12 minutes, the Hawks had a 154 offensive rating. So they scored more than a point and a half per possession. That is, of course, absolutely ridiculously good. Um, 59% from the floor after a slow start, 613 from three, had 12 assists and two turnovers in the first quarter, which is elite by any, by any description. Bogey had nine points on three shots in the first five minutes that he played. Okongwu made his first three shots to so the bench overall with six for six. And the Wizards... This is a crazy stat. The Wizards shot 68% from the floor in the first quarter and lost the quarter by nine points. That's hard to do, but the Hawks did not have a lot of uh, stops other than turnovers, but the Washington Wizards turned the ball over eight times in the quarter, which kind of left the door open for the Hawks, and they ran through it on the offensive end of the floor. I mentioned this a minute ago, but the rotation, only eight guys in this one. Obviously, they ended up playing some garbage time for guys like Knox and Johnson and Gorgie Jang and Sharif and Skylar Mays, but through the competitive portion of this game, only eight guys played. And it wasn't the first time all season that's happened for the Hawks, but certainly not the usual. I think if, if Lou would have been available, he probably would have played because uh, he's been playing in most games. But the one notable change is that TLC went from starting to not playing at all. And that wasn't a huge surprise to me. Um, people were asking about Jalen Johnson. I think the much more surprising development was that TLC did not play in this game. But with Gallo back, they were able to play all 48 minutes with either Hunter or Gallo on the floor. That definitely helps them overall. And then we also have all of your wings available. They played their best eight guys in this game. Their best available eight played. And obviously, you know, you could certainly debate on whether they had to treat it this way. But they definitely treated this game like it was like a playoff caliber environment. Playing their best eight in a spot where, yes, it was an easier opponent at home. But they also had to win this game, and they certainly were able to do that. Um, I'll be interested to see once Lou returns if he's playing. I assume he will be, but I'm not 100% sure on that on Friday. And then you throw in the potential of Collins. Maybe you go back to TLC for matchup purposes at some point. But in this game, it was only eight guys, and that was pretty clear right away because once Hunter came back in for Gallo at the four, it was like, all right, I think it's going to be eight, and it was eight throughout this contest. Um from there, there was a run by the Wizards, an 8-0 run early in the second quarter. Nate was not very happy about that. Kind of some shades of Tuesday night's loss to Toronto, in which the second the bench unit was kind of uh, blitzed and the lead evaporated. Porzingis was pretty hot for the Wizards, despite having a slow start this season from three-point range. He was a good jump-shooting uh, contest for him. But Hunter got by, by the officiating at one point. He got a technical foul after he was not after he was called for a foul on Hachimura. It seemed to sort of get out of sorts a little bit. He was demonstrative with the officials, which is not usually the DeAndre Hunter um, attack and the uh, sort of approach there. But he went to the rim a few times after that, did not have any success. He was actually 0-5 from two in the first half and 0-7 on his first two, uh, his first seven two-point attempts. That's not great. He was uh, shaky at times in this one. Fox had a slow um, stretch overall in offense. The Wizards took the lead late in the half. Um, Capella, though, closed strong with a couple of buckets in the last two minutes. There was one where he outran the entire Wizards team down the floor and hurt her through a beautiful lob pass, sort of a, a long outlet pass to uh, Capella for a layup. And the Hawks go into halftime up by two. So after all of that, um, kind of a roller coaster in some ways, the Hawks were leading at the break despite the uh, shaky defense. 
six guys had seven points or more in the first half. Um, they had a 131 offensive rating, which is obviously fantastic. We did slow down second quarter, but had 19 assists and three turnovers in the first half of this game. A crazy ratio, 15 points each for Gallo and Capella before halftime. The Wizards did shoot it well. Um, in fact, 70% on twos in the first half, which kind of tells you how bad the defense was at times. But the Hawks did get into the break, despite what I would say, they did not play very well in the first half, even though they scored, obviously, sort of at will before halftime, but ended up leading. And uh, from there, kind of never really had a whole lot of trouble. There was at least a, a little bit of time early in the third quarter where it was, where it was, there was some nip and tuck aspect. But for the most part, the Hawks were able to win comfortably from there. Touch on the second half, as we always do on the podcast, as well as some individual breakdowns, look at the standings, look, look at the head the last two games for the Hawks, etc. But first, before we get to all of that stuff, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that helps you give the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, walking structure frames, they're durable, and premium high-end finishes on those glasses. On top of that, Shady Rays protection program is something you just can't find anywhere else. They have lost the broken protection on every single pair, and they will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter how you happen to lose them. Give them a try today. If you don't love Shady Rays, you want to pay anything at all, it's just that simple. Plus, 10 meals donated to 500 in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusive for our listeners, you also have a special deal. Head to ShadyRays.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's promo code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season, which is 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Check it all out today at ShadyRays.com. One more time, promo code LOCKEDON, best deal of the season, 50% off two more pairs at ShadyRays.com. All right, we'll dive into the second half now, and neither team scored early on in the third quarter. In fact, no points for like two full minutes, which was a sharp departure from the first half and the barrage there. The Wizards, though, um, as sort of what was going to be a precursor to the rest of the game, actually, scored two points in the first four minutes, four four and a half minutes almost, of the third quarter. Um, Trey actually had a great defensive possession on Thomas Sadoransky, in which he sort of locked him up, really kind of bothered him with his peskiness, um, really active hands in that, in that possession. It led to a pretty bad breakdown for the Wizards on offense, which is good to see from Trey. Um, the Hawks didn't quite put a lot of daylight between them in that stretch. I thought the Hawks actually missed an opportunity to kind of blow the doors off at that point because Washington could not score, but the Hawks also had a slow start offensively. They led by eight in the middle of the quarter, but Hunter and Rui Hachimura kind of exchanged um, possessions and stretches where they were kind of banging their head against the wall um, on offense. Hunter was some bad two-point attempts. Hachimura, I think, was two of nine from the floor at that point in time. Hunter did have a sort of break the drought with a three-point play. That was actually a nice drive and finish from DeAndre, but he had really kind of a weird game on offense. And the lead was kind of in that four- to six-point range for most of the third quarter, but then the explosion of the night happened with Trey Young at the end of the third quarter. So uh, doing the math here, Trey scored 14 straight points for the Hawks, which is already impressive on its own. 14 points in 126 seconds. So two minutes and six seconds, Trey Young scored 14 points. Now, six of those were at the free throw line, and there's some help there from the Wizards who were fouling him early in the shot clock, but he was still uh, on fire and cooking them. And really, I don't want to say it was over because it wasn't at that point, but that was the biggest swing toward Atlanta in the entire game, really, was that stretch by Trey at the end of the period to go by 12 at the end of the third. So they won the third quarter by, th- by, tw- by 10 points. Washington finally cooled off. They were six of 18 from the floor in the third with the, and one of eight from three. So that kind of uh, it was kind of both sides doing things um, in the fourth. Again, it wasn't over, but old friend Jason Walker has been a guest on this podcast from the Peachtree Hoops, et cetera. Uh, said it for me on Twitter, but DeLon Wright did DeLon Wright stuff early in the fourth quarter with a steal and an assist and some sort of nice digs on, on defense, et cetera. Bogeyed a couple threes to go up by 13 points. The Hawks did still lose the non-train minutes. And if there was one kind of shaky, shaky stretch in the fourth quarter, is that the Hawks when Trey came back in, they were only up by eight with seven minutes to go. 
obviously they never trail in the fourth, but you know, that, that's a game, but up eight with seven minutes to go. It's definitely a ball game, but immediately from there, Dallas scored the next five points. And I thought I even wrote this in my notes. That was probably the end of the game, to be honest with you, when that happened to go by 13. But then if it wasn't over from there, Trey had his own run um, out of a timeout with five straight points of his own. And the Hawks went up by 18 with four minutes left, and it was absolutely over from there. Um, of note, the Wizards scored 30 points in the first 20 minutes of the second half. And that, just as a reminder of kind of how bad that is, obviously that's a point and a half per, per minute, which is uh, you know a something like a uh, you know 70, 80, 80, sorry, 80 point pace. Um, for the, No, 70, 72 point pace. I don't know how, why I can't do math all of a sudden. But yeah, 72 point pace for the game. For the game. And they scored 38 points in the second half overall. But the Wizards scored 31 points in the first quarter and 34 points in the second quarter, and then they scored 30 points in the next 20 minutes. So it was a sharp departure. Credit to the Hawks for playing defense. Credit to the Wizards for missing a bunch of shots. And uh, that mixture really went toward the Hawks doing their thing. And then with two minutes to go, they went to the bench. It was Knox. It was Johnson. It was Gorgie Jang, Sharif Cooper, and Skylar Mays. And uh, it was all academic from there. But notably, the Hawks were going to close, or at least they did play until the competitive portion was over, with the lawn on the floor and a Congo on the floor. I think if it got close, they probably would have brought Capella back in, but a Congo was good in this game. Uh, so was Capella just for the record. But uh, I, I think I kind of liked it going with the lawn because he was, uh, let's just say good in this game. Uh, and Hunter was not, for instance, but alas, we'll dive in, do the rest of this one. Um, takeaway wise, the Hawks offensively kind of pedaled off in the second half in terms of their effectiveness and their efficiency, but it was still more than enough. And for the full game, they had a 122 offensive rating. That is uh, very, very solid. Of course, that's above their normal average. And of course, they're a top two team in the league on offense. So that says a lot. Um, the one notable flaw on offense in this game was they only shot 51% on twos. There were some finishing issues. Um, I believe, yeah, Bogey was 0 of 4 on twos. Uh, Trey was 5 of 8, but uh, Hunter was, I believe, 1 of 9 on twos. Uh, Gallo was a decent enough 7 of 12, but they had some uh, hiccups on, on two-point range uh, in this game. But other than that, they were excellent from three, 16 of 39, which is a great uh, ratio both in um, production as far as volume and accuracy. They didn't get to the line a ton, only 19 attempts, but that was actually way more than the Wizards had, and they made 84% of them. That's a good uh, way to sort of capitalize on that. Six turnovers in the full game, which is, of course, excellent. Only four live ball. That's also excellent. Um, 26 assists is just totally solid. And when you combine that with, with six turnovers, it's obviously a great ratio, about four and a half to one. And then didn't do a lot in the class in this game on offense, but certainly didn't really need to do that with the way they were shooting it and doing everything else. And then defensively, it got a lot better after halftime. So I would say the first quarter and a half-ish of this game, the, the, the defense was pretty bad, to be honest with you. But second half, the numbers were pretty stark. Um, in fact, after halftime, Washington shot 30, 38% from the floor and 3 of 16 from 3. Some of that's the Wizards missing shots, but the Hawks were better defensively for sure. Only allowed 38 points after halftime. Washington did shoot the ball pretty well for the full game at 49%, but only 10 of 35 from 3. That was helpful to the Hawks. And the big thing was turnovers. The Hawks created 14 turnovers and we turned the ball over six times. That's a huge swing in their favor. It's eight extra possessions. If you're just doing the math on that, that helps your efficiency, helps you win games basically. And then defensively on the glass, it wasn't pretty in the first half, but it was much better in the second half. And that led to a pretty good overall performance on the glass. And of course that's been a problem at least for a while with Capella off the floor. And that really was not the case in this game. So as far as overall stuff from this one, before we move on to the player evaluations, the Hawks were the better team. The Hawks were the more urgent team. They were playing at home. Good setup for them. Washington at the end of a road trip, et cetera. And certainly they had more legs than the Wizards did in this game. But they still played 
fairly well after halftime. I think overall, and then offensively, it was pretty good for most of the way. So lots of positives as you hear the thunder clapping in the background as I'm recording this podcast. My apologies for that if it's on the audio. But um, alas, here we are, and the Hawks escape, uh, hold serve. How do you want to put that? They get a, a nice solid win. If you didn't watch this game and just saw the final score, you might thought it was a little bit breezier than it actually was, but it was still a comfortable win by the end, and that is all that matters on this night. Before we get into the second half, in terms of the podcast and the player evaluation portion of this show, as well as the standings looks, and a look ahead at the last two games on the schedule for the Hawks, and we're from our sponsors on the podcast. I'm really trying to eat right this year. I'm having a lot of success with that. And honestly, the biggest thing is Built Bar. In some ways, it's actually a lot easier for me to eat right because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars from the protein-infused Puff Bars. They're fantastic. All the fan favorites from Built Bar. Each and every bar has 100% real chocolate. Makes a huge difference in taste and texture and all of that fun stuff. And it tastes fantastic every single time. On top of the taste, Built Bar is low-calorie and high-protein. You can easily replace your candy bars with Built Bars, both in taste and to improve your overall nutrition. Built.com has everything that you possibly need to learn about Built Bar. And also, the nutrition page is Honestly, something that's going to blow you away. With most bars only having 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a low calorie count, they are very, very healthy. And Built Bar has long-time flavors like coconut almond, and new flavors coming all the time, plus each and every flavor is delicious. Check it out, all the stuff at Built Bar at Built.com, and use the promo code LOCKED15 when you get there. If you do that, 15% off on your order with Built Bar. That's promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Built Bar. Check it all out at Built.com. All right, we'll dive back in now to the player evaluations and uh, lots of good, some shaky, but certainly more positive than anything else. Start with the bench first, a short bench again, an eight-man rotation in this game, and all three guys at the bench played well in this one. Uh, it was a sharp uh, swing from Tuesday, which the bench got killed. It was not the case in this one. In fact, all three guys are plus 15 or better in this game. DeLon Wright, uh, I say this a lot, but it was really kind of a DeLon Wright game in a lot of ways. He did not make a field goal. It was 0-2, but he had two points, four steals, three assists, four rebounds, Good defense, DeLon Wright. Made a lot of winning plays and uh, was out there in crunch time, and that was probably the right thing to do, uh, playing alongside Trey Young. Bogey made six threes, actually 0 4 on twos, but 6 9 from three point range. That was his big contribution. He was very aggressive hunting his shot in the second half in particular. 18 points, four assists, no turnovers, a good night at the office for Bogey. Uh, Akongwu was much better. I thought he struggled pretty badly on Tuesday, but uh, this was more like it for Akongwu. Eight points in 21 minutes, four or five from the floor, six rebounds, three assists, a steal. For Kongwu, and three fouls is not terrible in that stretch, plus plus 15. I thought he played quite well, and uh, it was not bothering me at all. He was out there in the fourth quarter. The two guys who didn't really have it in terms of shooting were Herter and Hunter. Uh, I thought Herter played fine, uh, had five points, uh, only only two of nine from the floor, and one of five from three. They have three assists, three, three, three rebounds, and, and no turnovers. I thought he played decent defense in this one, but just didn't have the same kind of juice that he's had recently. He's had a lot of uh, good shooting nights recently, just didn't have it in this game. Uh, Hunter, I thought, was the guy who struggled the most for the Hawks on the floor in this one all the way around. Uh, did have 10 points and a steal and a block, but four rebounds and assist was one of nine on twos. And some of that's noise, but some pretty bad finishing moments, a couple bad passes, bad decisions, a couple of settles uh, for pull-ups. Did make two or four from three, but uh, his, his step inside the arc was kind, of, was kind of maddening. I don't think he was like absolutely terrible, just did not play very well. And then the three guys who stood out in the starters were Gallo, uh, Capella, and Trey Young. Uh, Capella, I thought, was excellent. 19 points on 11 shots. Great stuff there. Efficiency-wise, 9 of 11. 7 rebounds, 4 steals for Clint. Uh, no blocks, kind of a weird ratio there for, for Clint. But I thought he played really well. Uh, defensively was his usual self, and he's been playing so well for like two, three months now, um, standing out night by night by night. Uh, Gallinari was extremely aggressive and played extremely well. 26 points to uh, lead. Um, sorry, not to lead all scores, but certainly has many points as anyone on the Wizards did and was very efficient. Had 10 rebounds as well. That was a huge boost to the Hawks. 
7 of 12 on twos, 4 of 7 on threes. And usually when Gallo has big games, he's either just bombing away from three or he's getting on the line a lot. And this game wasn't really either one of those. He had four threes. That's obviously a lot. But he got wherever he wanted to play 39 minutes. That's a crazy high number for Gallo. But he was fresh after not playing on Tuesday. That probably helped a little bit as well. And I thought uh, just having him back was huge. Opens up, opens up a lot of stuff for the Hawks. You know, defensively, the Hawks just missed John Collins pretty desperately. But offensively, uh, obviously, they miss him on that end of the floor too. But with Gallo able to play starters minutes, the absence of Collins is felt more on defense than offense because Gallo is a good offensive player, obviously, and he's a very bad defensive player. But uh, it'd be nice to have John Collins back. But when Gallo is playing and playing well, there's not as much of a drop-off as there is when, when there's without Gallo and Collins as there have, have had happen, uh, let's say, a handful of times in the last couple of weeks. And then Trey Young, uh, his usual brilliance here, 30, 30 points, 11 assists, um, plus 28 for Trey in his 37 minutes. So if you're doing the math on this one, the Hawks were minus 13 in his minutes uh, off the floor. Obviously, some of that was garbage time, but they were minus nine in the competitive portion with Trey off the floor. So kind of uh, scary stuff there. But he was five of eight on twos, three of nine from three, 11 foot free throw line, 11 assists. Just playing extremely well. All NBA stuff. I've been saying it for a while now. Did a whole podcast about all NBA stuff with Robbie Callen last week. Talked about it on my own a lot. But if you're a new listener or watch this for the first time or just ramping up at the end of the season, um, I firmly believe Trey Young's an all NBA, all NBA guy this year. I think, honestly, he'd have a real case for me for first team all NBA. I don't think he's got. I don't think he has any chance of actually making first team All NBA. But uh, at minimum for me, he'd be second team All NBA this year. I don't know if he's going to make it, but he absolutely should. He's playing. He's playing extremely well. It has been all season long. So there you go on that for my soliloquy on Trey Young at the end of the podcast. As for the standings, uh, the Nets teased the Hawks a little bit in this one. Obviously, the Hawks were playing, so they didn't really know this. But Brooklyn was down twenty-one at MSG to the Knicks tonight, and they came back and won. Now the Knicks. Did Nick stuff. The Knicks are bad. Um, but, you know, sort of a tease there. Charlotte and Cleveland both did not play on Wednesday, so no changes there. So with all that said, the projected expected result tonight was the Hawks win and the Nets win. That's what ended up happening on both fronts. And with the win, the Hawks are now only a game back of Cleveland, but they're still tied with the Nets. They're a game and a half behind, uh, sorry, ahead of Charlotte with two games to play for Cleveland, Brooklyn, and Atlanta. Three to play for Charlotte. Um, as a reminder, the tiebreaker – aspect is interesting the hawks do have the two-team tiebreaker against cleveland but they lose it to brooklyn if it's two teams if it's three teams if it ends up charlotte sorry if it ends up cleveland atlanta brooklyn as it very much could at the end of this um that would go to brooklyn as the seven seed hawks as the eight seed and Cavs as the nine seed if that were to happen charlotte's not dead yet either if they were to win out they could certainly be getting the mix here uh of course the it's worth noting the nets are going to be favored in both games down the stretch um, the Hawks are going to be favored, um, certainly on Sunday, I would guess, unless Miami pulls the plug on Friday, as they certainly could, um, with where they are on the standings, the Hawks will be underdogs on the road in Miami on Friday, but the Nets, by the way, have Cleveland at home on Friday and Indiana, the zombie Pacers at home on Sunday. So you can't, you, you cannot expect the Nets to lose. They certainly could, wouldn't stun me if they lost. But you can't expect it. Uh, Miami has a two-game lead on the field in terms of the number one seed, but they probably need one more win. Their next game is on Friday against the Hawks. So I think Miami's going to try in that game, and uh, obviously the Hawks can beat them. No question about that, but the Hawks probably will be betting underdogs in that game. So long story short, uh, I think the Hawks are in a great spot to at least not be the 10 seed. The question is, can they win out, number one? Uh, can they get some help from Brooklyn, number two? And honestly, Cleveland might lose both games. Cleveland has to play Brooklyn, of course, and also Milwaukee. Um, if the Hawks were to win out and Cleveland lose out, which is probably what I, you know, we'll see on Cleveland's front, then 
they'd be in the seven eight games against the Nets. Full stop. Now, if the Cavs lose out and the Hawks split, then they'd be tied with the Cavs, and we'll see what happens with the Nets. So, and again, as a reminder, the two team tiebreaker for the Hawks and Cavs goes to the Hawks. So, right now, if I had to project the um, order at the end of the season, I think I'd probably go Nets seven, Hawks eight, um, Cleveland nine, uh, always somewhere in the nine ten against Charlotte. And if that happens, obviously the Hawks would have two chances to win one game. It's not too, it's not too bad of a setup, but uh, we'll get into all that as we get through the week. But um, the next game on the agenda for the Hawks and the Nets is Friday. Hawks in Miami, and then, of course, the Nets play the uh, Cavs in a game that everyone should be watching out for during the Hawks game on Friday evening. From here, as I mentioned a second ago, the Hawks are now off on Thursday after the back-to-back, and they go to Miami to play on the road. That is certainly the most difficult game they have left on the schedule. Uh, and of course, they go to Houston for what was a 3.30 afternoon game on uh, on Sunday afternoon during Master Sunday. Some uh, let's, just, let's just say some not great scheduling for Hawks fans <laughs> that might be a Masters people if you're growing up, growing up in Georgia, as I did. Alas, um, a lot, lots of stuff going on here. We'll have the scenarios. If you uh, want the up-to-the-minute stuff, I recommend following me on Twitter if you'd like to, at BT Roland, or following the show on Twitter, at Locked on Hawks. I'll have some live stuff there. Uh, TBD on the next show. It might be Thursday, but it might not be until Friday. I'm st- I have some scheduling stuff going on, but I will be uh, certainly going to be here 100% after the game on Friday, and then we'll cover the game on Sunday and then get into the play-in, because uh, at minimum, the Hawks will be playing at least one postseason game. Uh, I would guess they're going to be playing at least two, but we'll see what happens uh, in the next couple of days. I've, I'm done rambling at the end of the podcast as the storm really brews. I hope the power does not go out for me at this point in time. I'm seeing lots of lightning and thunder and all that stuff to take, take you behind the curtain as I record this podcast. But thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. I really, really appreciate it. Please, please, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, a Google Podcasts. And also, in addition to, not just on that, and uh, sort of one, one, or, one on one or the other, I would say in addition to, to help me out on the audio platform of your choice, Spotify, Apple, and also on YouTube. It would be very, very helpful. So please spread the word about the podcast. We're ramping up here, hopefully, to the playoffs. And then the offseason is where we, we do not slow down at all on this podcast. We have all kinds of offseason content. I love the draft. I love free agency, roster building, looking back at the team, looking ahead at the team. All that fun stuff is going to be coming up whenever the season ends, whether that be next week or weeks from now. We'll see on all of that. So thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Friday.